There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. What are you looking at? Rolling in a boy, gentlemen, man. You're mad, you bastard. Far am you. Far am you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash, all right? Cash, no. Robbo? No cash. Where to Christ, Liz, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Wook Hello and welcome to Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that this podcast is being recorded on, the Wajak people of Perth region. We recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community and pay our respects to them and their cultures and to both elders past and present. On this episode, I had a sit down with the directors of the SBS comedy slash now theatrical film Top Knot Detective, Aaron McCann and Dominic Pierce. Uh, the film is being screened uh, at Revelation Film Festival, having its uh, sort of big screen debut in a way in a different format. Um, it was a fantastic film that, that screened on SBS last year and certainly was a, a huge homage to the sort of films that I grew up uh, watching on SBS uh, in the, the 90s. It's a really fun interview here so and we recorded it on the streets of Eastwick Park and certainly uh, there is a little bit of uh, background noise there but uh, hopefully it still sounds just as good as it did to me when I was sitting there recording. Enough of me, here's the trailer. Have you ever heard of Top Knot Detective? Oh my god, I've been thought about that forever! Hilarious. Awful. It was a rip-off of every samurai movie I've ever seen. This is all down to the madness and the genius of the show's creator, writer, director, producer and star, Takashi Takamoto. The Ed Wood of Japanese samurai TV. The show was a massive hit and propelled Takashi into superstardom. You knew that behind the scenes lay, well, another twisted quest for revenge. I guess in a way, like Perth is a pretty small place. Oh. Yeah. And well, I mean, no shit. But yeah. it's it's small in the sense that um, you know, we when you guys make something big, yeah. That you know, specifically you in particular going viral and all that kind yeah. of stuff, we're like, oh, we're validated. Yeah, it's like <laughs> we've reached outside the box. We live in Perth. So nice. somebody recognizes us. Yeah. 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 Which is why when I saw Hounds of Love, I was like, oh, why did he have to put it in Kubala? Because I live in Samson, yeah. which is right next door to Kubala. I'm like, geez. But I think it's like the... It's <laughs> only, oh, there goes only that Perth. tourism dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only Perth will know it's Kubala. Yeah. It'll only be someone in Perth who's like, that's bloody Kubala. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, my wife was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> now we live in the rapey suburbs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck them, goddamn yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I hope people don't think like because we don't have kids or anything like that. We've got a small house, you know, and <laughs> we have shutters and everything. And, yeah. and I'm like, 
and just that one room that's really locked. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like far a, away. They pretty much just whenever you drive past the netball courts, just eyes forward, hands on the wheel, <laughs> just like <laughs> like neat forty five the entire <laughs> way. Don't like. <laughs> no, a good thirty five crawl with like a thousand frames a second. <laughs> just like having to get the windshield like. like how was that shot as well? I it was mean, great. It was on a Phantom, and I think like they did a couple of takes, but that was Mick shooting that. And they did a lot of tests on the Phantom. To do that. They only did a couple of Phantom shots. Yeah, right. I, 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 in all yeah. Honesty, I haven't had a chance to actually see the film yet. Yeah. I was away. Right. In the, I was in the way in the states during its big release. Thing. I haven't had a chance to actually get to the cinema since I've been back. We we forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kubala. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've gotten, like, I've gotten the gist. Yeah, like, <laughs> like oh, bad yeah. stuff happens. Like, there's no, a dog. Like, yeah. like, choose your weed dealers carefully. Like, yeah. I get, yeah. I, I get. It's a, it's a witty story <laughs> about why you shouldn't adopt a teenager that isn't yours. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she was a young girl going out to catch up with friends, but then all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, Rob the Schneider. Kid from is, <laughs> <Rob> Schneider. <laughs> the original pitch was <laughs> so different to how we made it. Um, so your film, yes, yes which was a start. TV series. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Um, hey, buddy. How did it come about? I mean, I know how it came about because I've been following you guys for a long yeah. time. Not really following you. You haven't, you know seen me behind you but yeah just driving past netball yeah. Yeah. To the fans. that's it exactly it started 2013-ish yeah late 2013 yeah, I had just finished the short film Parish which Dom was editing together for us and Dom was living at the house that we kind of shot it at and then there was a point there because John uh, Dom the John <laughs> John my friend John Jarrett, had um <laughs> Dom had gone to Japan uh, with his girlfriend, and I was about to go to Japan with my current girlfriend. Uh, and I needed advice on Japan. Dom told me about this crazy show that he saw. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we, um, I'd been to Japan before for like tours, and uh, I play in a band that we used to do a bit of an exchange with Osaka. So I've been there a couple of times before. This is the first time actually going for purely a vacation. And our last day in Tokyo, we were just fried, me and my partner. So we just bought some beers and we were just sitting in the hotel room watching Japanese TV all day. Because it's yeah, great. Like, do. yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what the hell's happening. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, and we just happened to catch a marathon of this show called the Abarembo Abba, Abba yeah, yeah, Shogun. Um, and it's like this really long-running, like really long-running series in Japan. Yeah, 846. Yeah, like episodes. like they did every part of the Take history. That yeah, kind of stuff. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so it um and like essentially he's the emperor, but he travels around the countryside pretending to be like a nameless warrior. And he pretty much every episode is pretty much the exact same thing. And I watched about seven episodes in a row, and it was literally the same beats over and over again. He rocks up to a small town. There's some sort of corrupt politician or gangster or something that's going on. He roots it out. There's a whole bunch of melodrama, and then every episode ends with him rocking up at the bad guy's house, and he always fights at the back of his sword and him and he, and he just walks around whacking people and knocking them unconscious and then his two ninja chaperones pretty much just follow him and murder everyone in the building and then everyone hugs at the end and then he moves on to his next village like that was literally the gist so I started yeah, yeah so then, I started telling he, Aaron about it he pitched it. it to me and I was like oh man that's really cool because it's like a 90s thing I wish we could do like a 90s show like that I wonder what we call it. And I think right away we were like, top not detective. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because like, he's like, because you described it as like, he's a detective, because we didn't know what the yeah, show was originally. Yeah. He's like, he's a detective who's a samurai. I was like, that's great. So from there, we just, I think it was over the course of a couple of weekends, we cut together that proof of concept. Yeah. And then we pitched that to Screen West and missed the deadline by like five minutes. But I didn't even know that we'd missed the deadline. I was assuming that we were like, oh, great, so we're here back really soon yeah. and then a month or so went by I was like did you guys get that thing right. and they're like we never even received it and it was like ah oh, great so we were off to a yeah. flying yeah, start, flying start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, like when we made the proof of concept like because we started talking about it and we were like, like oh it'd be great to do like an old 90s thing like, you know we used to watch an SBS where we were like, yeah. sweet and Aaron was like I was like like, what if it was really shit? Like, what if it was just like a horrible detective? Like, that's really good. And then yeah. we're like, man, we're never gonna get the money together to make like a '90s like period piece in Japan mm. in the 1800s. Like, yeah. that's never gonna happen. So it started. We started talking about like, what if it's a documentary? And then we started talking about Shintaro. And then obviously because we dug up all those films to put together that sizzle concept, it just kind of started evolving from there. Yeah. Um, and then Comedy Runway came around with SBS, and we had the pitch video. We had all the stuff good to go, and so we put yeah, it in. Was, so 2004. 
14, yeah. it's like SBS Comedy Runway comes around. They ask me to do these interstitial spots for the World Cup. Yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah. do these weird interstitials for the World Cup. Oh, like, yeah, you can do about sort of anything. And I was like, oh, have you got anything else in mind? Have you got any funding things that are coming yeah, up? Yeah, like sports. Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, it's a weird <laughs> sport thing. And they're like, we do. We've got this Comedy Runway thing which launches in a couple of months. And I was like, I might have a project for that. I'll come back to you. So we did these spots, and one of them ended up being a weird Japanese vibe to it. And we made up this brand called Sudafu, which yep. just means stuff in Japanese. So we're like, all right, it'll be Sudafu. That'll be the brand. Yeah. And then that suddenly worked its way into the script and yep. became the company who owns the entire thing. And then once we had finished those spots, I basically gave the pitch to Neil Downward, who was at SBS Comedy at the time, and he pitched it up above him and we eventually got the comedy runway thing which was a small amount of cash that we then pretty much got match funding from Screen West to do the short and they're pilot. like oh it's you guys yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh okay yeah, yeah cool yeah. <laughs> you can do it yeah so and then and then that was that took a while there was a few months of writing and then it was you know a couple of days shoot in Perth yep. and then it, and then it was a few days in Japan we did Japan first on the pilot yeah and then we ended up back in Perth to shoot everything else. We did it the opposite way around. Yeah, which is pretty hard as well because yeah. we hadn't. Um, like, we like we wanted to do the pilot, and we knew it was like a much bigger story. So the real challenge was how much can we actually put in that opening eight minutes, six to eight minutes, and like, but not paint ourselves into any corners for further down the line. And then yeah, we we went to Japan first, which yeah was really tricky because our actor he. Not only never really done too much stuff before, but we've taken him back to Japan. We put him in this ridiculous costume. We're walking him around. We're like trying to steal production value where we can because it was like us, us two, our cameraman, him, and we had like a handler on the ground, a guy named London Kettle, who who just kind of helped get us around. Um, shot all of that, kind of like I think this is gonna gel together. Yeah. Came back to Perth, <laughs> shot yeah, shot the rest of it, smashed it together, and yeah, we actually managed to actually managed to get through. But we kind of worked in the same way that we did the proof of concept. So we we grabbed a whole bunch of movies and took our scripts and basically we did all the voices and then we cut vision together. This is the sort of shot I like that shot from that kind of film because it was about a show that had so many episodes to it we were like we have to be shooting bits and bits yeah. and bits and bits. So it was a very scatological way of doing it which then meant a very scatological way of kind of putting it together. So when you made it like did you have the mindset that it was going to be you were filming it as one long film and then you were going to cut it into the 10 minute segments? No. Or for, was like it, for the full series? Yeah, I think, so when we did the full series, the idea was it was going to be two seasons. So sure. it was going to be two seasons of six episodes each, and and we were going to lead on to the character, like, arriving in Australia. Because originally the show started about the Australian dubbing team, and that's how Des Magan okay. kind of worked into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it totally different. Pretty much like, yeah. like, a, like a piss take on the Shintaro documentary. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And, and so we're going to make it up there. And then we got feedback back from like you'll like, only get one season. Yeah, right, we only get one season. But like, also Neil came back and he's like, I don't, I don't care about any of the like, the W right. crew. I want, I want the show. Like, I want this this ridiculous yeah. samurai thing. And so we tried to like, so we tried to see the documentary. Okay, what if we make it actually about the behind the scenes of this whole thing? And yeah, yeah and, and it kind of went from there. Then we we wrote it from so it was six episodes. We knew we couldn't get the twelve to be the back end. So then we wrote it out to eight episodes, and then we it'll be one season. We'll cap off the whole story. Then it was a budgetary thing of like you never you, you can't do you can't do eight episodes. So then we were like, oh okay. So then we compressed those eight episodes into six episodes and changed the spacing in the scripts to make it seem shorter. But it was basically it's it basically eight episodes, and we're like, no, no, it's. It's a lot shorter now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much shorter. And then we um, we were pretty much like off and running. And it, it was always like, it was going to be a web series that we knew we had about 90 minutes worth of content. So we knew that we were always going to cut it into a feature film. Yeah. We thought we were going to cut it into a feature film at the end. Sure. Yeah. And then it became through the editing that the only way to get our heads around the story was to lay it out as a feature film first with the idea that we'd cut it into a web afterwards and then that kind of like disappeared on the wayside because it was like well it works as a feature let's just keep it as a as a feature yeah like essentially when we presented the first offline of the full movie to SBS they kind of came back and said nah let's let's do a movie yeah, yeah. I I mean I've watched it a couple of times and it's great you know it's a, it's hilarious it's a lot of fun and it's got a lot of heart to it as well which I find really interesting to get into that in a minute but no I don't I couldn't ever see it as you know a short like 
couldn't imagine watching 10 minutes of it and then going, oh, I'll come back and watch another 10 minutes. Which... There was a version that it would have worked like that. It was very kind of like, with the, the original edit, like it went through so many permutations, but there was definite sort of, one episode was all focused on Takashi, then yeah. the next was on Haruto, then the next was on Mia, and then the next was kind of about the murder, and then the next was about this thing to tie it all up. But it really was, once we joined them all together, parts of it all flowed in. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. Yeah, and like initially our kind of third act of the film only worked in its original idea because of the episodic nature. Once we smashed it together, it was like, okay, now we've, now we've got this giant this giant chronological gap in the history of the show yeah. and we had to and yeah so we, yeah it, it, it was just constantly changing we were rewriting and editing essentially because we, yeah we yeah. didn't stop writing until we locked the pretty much before yeah. the break so <clears throat> what kind of research did you do for it then like obviously there's a lot of 90s stuff that you know when I, when I first watched it I was like yeah this is exactly like I expect an episode of Eat Carpet to appear after it. <laughs> like that's that's what I felt like. <laughs> it was like I think the research we did was life. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of like, well, that, that's it. We, ne- we never like sat down and specific. I mean, we watched more samurai films when we were writing because we were like, let's just another chance. Yeah. To you just got do- to. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let's we watched watch the whole Lone Wolf and Cub series back to back. Yeah, which I had. Uh, on DVD and then bought on Blu-ray afterwards. The Criterion yeah. of it's really yeah. good. Yeah, we got that one. But like, and then it was like Zadowitchi. It was just, it was just stuff. stuff we knew. Yeah. We grew yeah. up on. Like that's the thing. We 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 loved the idea because we knew that world so much. We'd all grown up on anime. We'd all grown up pre-internet on SBS, watching weird foreign films. We knew all the cult stuff. We knew so many of the tropes. Like more more of the research went into like Japanese history. And the culture behind TV and film and corporate companies there, yep. like that's kind of where we had to do more of the research to to nut how these people would actually interact with each other. The the film stuff that that was pretty easy. Yeah, actually. the kind of like the link in with Mia Matsumoto and her being uh, the J-pop star. It was really about then diving into a J-pop world and kind of listening to more of that, finding the the actual business structure behind designing a J-pop group, and which is nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> But then finding that out, it becomes this, like, wow, there's this real kind of air of misogyny over the whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'd really love to explore that as much as I can. Under the guise of being a comedy, and we can only touch upon certain things. Yeah. But that really informed a lot yeah, of things we, as we went through. I, we were very conscious of, if we're going to tell people what Japan was like 20 years ago, we better know our stuff. Like, we've got to be on point with that. Like, yeah. movies is easy, but, like, if we're actually going to culturally do stuff, we, we need to be fairly well informed and our cast were really good with that though as well yeah. like we, we'd gotten a lot right but once we actually finally had the key cast in place we could really back and forth with them and they really helped us fine tune that so besides Des and obviously Travis as well um, how did you go about casting so the um, <laughs> Des Des came Des was a bit of a coup when, when we got Des it's great that was, that like, was it's like great a, finding him, him on, yeah. on Facebook and, yeah. and trying to turn it get to him that way once we had that it was like wow Facebook stalking works yeah Yeah, but we had we cast the pilot first so we knew we had Toshi who plays uh, Takashi and Masa who plays Haruto Masa had originally auditioned for the role of Shamasu like the original role yeah and Dom was like yes he will be their character and then I was like but Toshi's like almost kind of he's Gentler, and you'd never cast him as a hero. So, wouldn't you yeah. want the person who's you would never cast as the hero to be yeah. cast as the hero? And then it was like, oh, well, now we can't have Massa in it. And they were like, no, we'll just write a new character. So yeah. we just wrote, wrote <laughs> no, a new character because there was no Haruto. Yeah, like 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 casting was the hardest part yeah. of this film. Like like there's no in terms of Japanese cast, nothing in Perth. Like yeah. and most of it's over east. It's very hard to get all the local guys that we interviewed. Like like. Toshi, even though he was the least experienced of them, he just—he was just great on camera. He was—he he just had this weird charisma to him, and he was great. But he couldn't sword fight. He couldn't—he couldn't do most of the things that his character called for. And then I remember the last audition yeah, video. Takashi. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, but that, yeah, that's why it worked. And so we thought, like, and we needed him to be local. Like that was key because we knew out of all the other characters, we're always going to go back and shoot more stuff with him. Like he's—he's yeah. he's central to it. So last audition video that came through was Masters and I, and like so this you know I hit play and um I saw it before Aaron I hit play there's an empty shot and he flips into screen and like pulls out the sword and just gets into the lines and I'm just like oh holy shit we actually have a samurai <laughs> fuck yeah and so I call Aaron I'm like dude watch this like you gotta check this out he's like he's, he's the shit like cause I'm you know we really wanted genuine sword fights we yeah. wanted it to actually have all those little things Darren, why should you call me back? He's like, he's too good. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, was, yeah. I, I watched it. I was at Bunnings, like, buying chili plants or something. I was like, no. No, he's just too good. I was like, I don't know. Like, no, put that chili down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it was like... So it was, it was one of those, like, weird, like, things. But I we knew that we, we needed stunts, and he was qualified. And he had done uh, Wolverine, and and he was in Strike Back, which is a, it's a, not a HBO series, it's a uh, skin effects sort of series. Some um, yeah. yeah, and he's got an amazing background. Plus, history of his family is very much like they came from sword mastering, sort of like they had, yeah. like, a background. He has a legacy. So that... It became us talking to him for touchstones about yeah. about yeah. culture, and then trying to teach Toshi basic Stanislavski <laughs> <laughs> sort of uh, acting. Uh, so, like, stuff, like yeah. we, we came to the point is just like let's use him as the stuntman for everything, yeah, and then also, but but and then cast him as like the bad guy, yeah. and then but then use him for all the stunts for the good guy. And then that, funnily enough, started feeding the script. I'm like, well, what if that's a relationship between those two yeah. characters? He wrote everything, but he's the only one that could do it. Yeah. And, and that's how that whole thing came about. Like, it, it, it was just literally reflective to the casting. And it was that kind of black dynamite sort of thing. It was like, he can be the stunt guy and it doesn't matter. You'll see that he's the stunt guy. Yeah. And then we'll make a joke of that afterwards. Because yeah. there's no way around that. Yeah, because it, it adds into the character yeah. of yeah. the story as well. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, in, the, in regards to, I think... Earlier this year, Jasper Jones came out, and there's an Asian character in that. And Rachel Perkins was talking about how she found it really difficult to cast an Asian actor in yep. that role because there's hardly any Australian Asian actors. Yes, but it, I, I think it is again about you know representation. Once you're represented on screen, then you feel that you have the ability to join an acting troupe or do yep. something, which then opens up a larger pool. Whereas currently, the, all you see of yourself on screen is like white Australian characters which opens up a large pool of that but we yeah. don't have we're in such a multicultural society but it's really hard to find you know actors yeah well, I mean, in, or, in a place like Perth well I mean generally the only time Japanese actors get cast for anything in Australia is when we make a World War 2 film like yeah. that's really the time it happens uh, May, May, May Yu who played Mia um, she was our other amazing find like because once we wrote the character of, of, of Mia, we were just like, fuck, she's really complicated. She's just as complicated as Takashi, essentially. Who are we going to find her to do this? May's interview, uh, like, audition tape came through. She was great. And she was talking to us after the film, and she was just like, she just moved back, and she said, there are never any lead roles for, like, Japanese female actresses in Australia. Yeah. Like, this is like, and so she, she flew back into this one, essentially. And it was amazing. But yeah, she was just like, I would never get this anywhere else. And that, yeah. like, we knew not a lot of Japanese stuff gets made. We were kind of like, wow, really? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it I mean, sucks. <laughs> well, that's it. Like when, you know, speaking to Rachel Perkins about it at the beginning of the year, I was, I was thinking back, and I'm like, yeah, there really isn't that many Asian Australian actors. So it's great that you know. I think, you no, I think there's there's lots, but it's very hard. To, like because you never see well, them in yeah, the lead role, right, yeah. you never get the chance to kind of go, oh, yeah. they're they're, you know, oh they're they're castable as a lead. Yeah. You, and then finding them, you know, we had to find a lot over East because there is a larger touchstone over East because, like, what Don was saying, like, oh, World War II films or, you know, yeah, you'll you'll need that. All the Pacific and stuff when they're shooting up in Queensland. So Queensland has a large kind of contingency of Asian actors. But then we'd find Asian actors who were Chinese or Korean and then they were Japanese, which then meant, okay, well, now... I can't just cast for a look. They have to be Japanese. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. That's an interesting thing as well because, you know, not to stray away from your film a bit too much, but, you know, certainly one of the, the heated conversations in regards to American films is that it'll be a Japanese character and then they go and cast a Korean actor and it's like, well, they're not interchangeable. So it's yeah. good to see that you, you're respectful of that. Admittedly, heritage. we did have to cast. Well, we, yeah, like, yeah, we <laughs> did. We, 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 no, but we, you, yeah. you're certainly looking at the, the yeah. you know, the we, cultural we, way. We, yeah. we tried, like, we, we were, because we're two white dudes making a film in an entire other language yeah. and country, we, we were just very conscious that we're trying to get all these details right and just, just do it respectfully, do it with a lot of cultural exchange and just make sure we get all this stuff right. Especially, but like we had, like, we had a stun team of like five Japanese over in Sydney. Put all the sword fires together. Yeah, we could afford to fly them all over here. But like, you know, they were all amazing dudes, and they had they had a 
yeah, they had a really great time. We would, we would have we would have had like a full fledged entire Japanese cast if we could have pulled it off. Yeah. But it's hard I mean, to do from here. But yeah. you know, because a lot of them were ninjas, it's great to find little acrobatic dudes and be like, wear a mask. You're now Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, like, that, that, yeah. that is that is the benefit of doing this particular kind of samurai series, like the Shitaris, because all the bad guys are just ninjas. So yeah. it's like, sweet costume on, yeah. done. Like, done. We'll never see your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So budget wise, yeah. right? Obviously, you know, it's a small budget, but this looks like it's expensive. You know, for, it looks like it's, it's intense. How do you manage to do that well, on, on a small budget? Okay, so we made like, without getting into too many specifics, we sort of made like a 90-minute film on what it would cost to make a half hour of TV drama. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that came with a lot of constraints <laughs> and a lot of challenges. But I think it was, for us, it was like, we made every dollar stretch as much as we could, but... Don was doing a lot of the visual effects and 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 editing as well, so we knew we'd get a lot of stuff done. You're in a very house. talented guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, when, when I started working with Aaron, one of the things I like about working with Aaron is he, you know, he, he doesn't. I like, sleep we, in the edit suite. We, 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 we've always we've always had to work on on, on piecemeal budgets, and but we, we want to do bigger stuff. We don't want to be constantly constrained by the money side of things. So, like, I mean, I and I taught myself. Like, I used to make my money off of being an editor, so I taught myself a lot of that stuff so I could do it myself. Like, because I mean, that's you know, all your money generally goes into production. No one's got any money left for post anyway. So. And I worked as an AD, so yeah. I could kind of. I looked at the schedule and was like, okay, well, if we did this and this and this, yeah. this way, we could get away with that. If we shoot this side first, and then we shoot this, that reduces two days. Yeah, we, we just, we, you know, we just, we just, you have to be adaptable, like, yeah. like especially when you're doing something like this. Now, admittedly, though, we there's a lot of things we can do with this particular film that allows us, like, you know, as as awesome as our samurai stuff looks on screen, if you see it without the VHS, like, it's not always that impressive, but like, it just. You know, it gets it gets the vibe done, but you've just you've got to be adaptable because yeah. you know, there's no other way to get it done. And I think we also where the only way we'll get the look of the budget is we've got to shoot in Japan. Yeah. Like we could shoot so much in Perth and a lot of in- interiors, like most interiors were all done in Perth, but the only way we'd make it look bigger and grander was like we've got to go to Japan and that sort of came out of like well, we'll just put our own money into like getting ourselves to Japan. Yeah. And then we'll just shoot in Japan. And uh, number of days shooting was maybe twice as much as Hounds of Love when you count the uh, pilot as well. Sure. Cutting into it. So all up was almost twice that but a lot of that is like us going up by ourselves and shooting inserts with our own cameras because yeah. Dom owns a lot of the own cameras and we just borrow lenses or friends of ours who are DPs and we pull in a lot of favours well that's the thing like you've both been doing film in some regard for a pretty long time yeah over a decade yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I went I I used to dabble a little bit in high school. Moved back to be a journalist. Dabbled in wanted <laughs> well, no, we we did like we, we made a forty-minute one-shot remake of like Blair Witch Project in the cool. rainforest out the back of my apartment complex in Singapore. It was a good time. I came back to study journalism and was doing film as a side thing because I was always planning to be a writer and then studying journalism made me want to put a gun in my mouth. So I dropped that degree. I just I'm gonna stick with film. Like this is like this is this is this is this is so much easier. Like, <laughs> such great degrees I studied. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, we just we we done a lot. We're both we're like, for lack of a better word, we're both fairly prolific. Like Aaron and I have short attention spans, and we kind of just always go go go. We just want to make stuff. We always just want to keep doing it. Yeah. So we just we made a lot of stuff, a lot of low budget stuff. We just kind of applied that energy to this film, and 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 I mean, I got to say though, we're also very grateful to our crew because they knew how much we were punching above our weight, and they were willing to like go there with us. Like they knew we didn't have much, but everyone was really resourceful, and they're very adaptable, and you know. Like we couldn't have done it without their their flexibility as well. So it wasn't just us. It's like it's the whole. It's yeah. everyone involved. No, there's definitely there was a like there's a large crew involved in it, and mainly not just like here, but Sydney, Perth, like Japan. Yeah. The people who came on board to help us out in places like musicians like lending their time, like artists lending their time. Yeah, like it's kind of a really big. Yeah. Um, yeah, group it, 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 it was good because it actually allowed us to meet a lot more, especially with like VFX, like in post. Like we actually got to meet a lot of young guys doing like the you know, same stuff I started doing when I, t- I started out. Essentially, like we got to meet a lot of people who are really keen to get involved. And so much of film is that though. Yeah. As far as people are willing to work three days in a row with no sleep to get something yeah. done, just because you know, like it's it's going to get that thing done. You can't do a movie without that. Like, well, especially in Perth, at least, like it's a pretty, you know, as we're 
well established it's a very small place yeah. <laughs> well it's a big state yeah. <laughs> and it's a small city huge place and so a lot of the you know the film people you know theoretically know many other people like it's a fairly um, for want of a better term incestuous group of people I, I think definitely like when I first wanted to get into film I was at high school and I skipped my geography exam and went on to be an extra in Let's Get Skates oh yeah and yeah, I, yeah. yeah and I met like I saw the grips and the Steadicam guys and everyone and every one of those guys I've worked with since and it's kind of I've worked with everyone that has been on all those films and we're all a tight knit community we're all very accessible and easy to talk to because it is it's it's Perth it's like uh, like what, what's the worst that's going to happen you're going to call me up that's <laughs> like I, I, you're going to bother me for five minutes I think also over, like, over several years we both amassed like a lot of favours that yeah. people owed us and we used them all, all like, we burnt them all yeah, on this yeah. film <laughs> yeah but but it's, oh, it, but it's all up, up there though yeah. Yeah. like it all shows uh, yeah. and that's the main thing yeah. you know yeah. yeah so it's good so you know you are both kind of viral stars in a way um, more than me. But. Well, yeah. How has that been for your your psyche, your inner psyche? How has it been being a viral hit? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't get. I, I don't get like starstruck or fame. Nobody things. comes and bumps kind of up like to you that. in the street saying, "Oh." No, they do. Like I, I've had people being like, "Oh yeah," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 cool." And <laughs> yeah. you're not exactly rolling around in a Maserati. Yeah, just like no. Like, <laughs> man, one day. Those YouTube dollars. I, I think it was, it, was one of the, yeah, yeah. it was one of those things. I started as a short filmmaker who wanted to kind of make long form stuff. When we first were doing like virally things, there had been no web series really done in Perth, so we kind of like went, oh, okay, let's 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 do one. Yep. Let's just do one. Oh, this thing YouTube is up now and it can take videos. We really want to put our videos there. I don't know. It's only really cat videos and, and weird guys walking around the zoo. I was like, oh, well, let's just put <laughs> stuff online. And it was just this weird time period of 2012. And yeah. we did one thing that was to repay back some money. And we were like, this will never go on TV. Fuck it. Let's just throw caution to the wind and it just blew up and from there it became this expectation of like being viral and I think there's this this catch of like make me something viral you're, you're the viral people it's like no 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 that's a zeitgeist and that's untouchable like I don't really know a key thing to that yeah. it's really like do the idea that you really love and then if someone gravitates towards that and they share it that's viral yeah. If you go out trying to second guess virality and yeah, what's going to yeah. work, you're just going to fall flat on your face. And it has happened like afterwards. I've been like, oh, this was kind of working. I was like, nah. <laughs> I tried, you know, because someone wants something that is not tangible. You know? Yeah. And I guess in the in that regard, it's like that is the culture nowadays, the YouTube culture, which is got to have a new video out each week. Make sure yeah. that it's out there. Make sure that it's exciting for everybody and, and hitting as many hits as possible. And, yeah. I, and we take a lot of time to make our content. Like, this was three years. Like, I'm not doing a content a week. So yeah, I mean, like, like, yeah. it started a long time ago. Yeah. In 2017. Like, yeah. We, yeah. We've, we've, like, we've, you know, we've had discussions about, like, you know, doing web channel stuff together. But, like, it's not fundamentally what we want to do. Like, we want to we want to start moving into... To like to bigger things, bigger structures. I'm gonna actually push, you know, the ideas. Like neither of us are Freddie Wong. I can do VFX, but I'm not gonna like. There's only there's limits to what I can do by myself. Like, like it's the quality of a quantity thing. We can do yeah. a lot of quantity, but then eventually the quality is just gonna dip. And yeah. Yeah. we can do quality, but it takes time, and time takes money and and resources. So when you don't have, I mean, resource poor, you kind of like you need time. Mm. I mean, we we can start making reaction videos. We can be really weird yeah, and just yeah, make, yeah. we can make reaction videos to last week's reaction video. So yeah. like, so <laughs> like the I box into the corner, reaction. yeah, and then like it just keeps yeah, yeah. getting like this endless tunnel thing. I think that could be pretty cool, but yeah, it becomes like a Brett Garland's <laughs> like weird sort of like dinner with Brett Garland. It's like oh my god, it could work. It could work, but you know who knows. So where you know you guys are showing at Revelation Film Festival, which is 
pretty exciting. Yeah, on the yeah. Uh, like, 9th to 12th and the yeah, 13th. Really, really there, you, there you go. That's the, that's the plug. And you'll be there and doing Q&As and stuff like that as yeah, well. Yeah, we will. This will be the first time that we've done outside of a cruise screening. Yeah. This is sort of our first... Which is... What did the crew ask you? Or was it fans as well? The crew asked us, like, this is what you put us through? (laughs) This is what you did? This is it? spent three months working on that shot. It was in there for, like, five seconds. Actually, that that is a weird story. We did, uh, (laughs) there was a a time that we did, like, this massive go-go cage setup. Right. And we had spent ages, like, doing it and setting it and lighting with smoke and getting everything. And the AD is like, okay, we we gotta run. And we did the show. We did, like, one shot. We were done in like five minutes and like, we're done. All right, moving on. It's like, moving on. It's like, and how long is that going to be on the film? It's like, a second, man. Yeah, like, I hated it. He was like, he was like, we spent an hour and a half setting that up. Is that it? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the time yeah. for the rest of this film, by the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but then there would be shots that were like, you know, they'd be in there for like ages and we'd get it set up in like no time. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it was this weird, it was this weird thing. We, yeah, we, yeah. this, the screening at Rev is the first time everyone's going to get to see the cinema version because obviously when it did, when it premiered yeah. on, on SBS, it had ad breaks and um, we've, we've kind of like, we, we beefed it up a little bit for its cinema life, just, you know, make it, make it look a bit bigger on the, on the silver screen. And we were doing all the subtitles and I'm sort of dyslexic so. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we went through a lot of proof yeah. we managed to butcher like two or three languages in one film pretty much yeah, like English the most yeah like <laughs> if funnily enough that Japanese was more on point by the time we got to the end of it yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, crew, yeah crew didn't have too many questions everybody happy to see it but a lot of them because we, we sh- it happened so quickly after we'd kind of finished and like you know, we smashed the edit down like four six months like yeah yeah like it was it was it was pretty quick considering how much stuff was in there um yeah, I, yeah. A lot of them still haven't had a chance to actually see the proper thing. Think, yeah, which yeah. is why, like, it's it's really important to kind of show it to a Perth audience as well. Like, we we've screened in Belfast and Nice and France, and we're about to. So, where's the other... European countries that get to see the Perth stuff? Yeah. Before... Oh, yeah. Europeans have yeah. taste. <laughs> um... <laughs> Fuck! So... Why did they choose us then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like that. There's no. It's just not as many avenues here yeah, like, yeah. yeah well exactly yeah. and I mean the first time people can see it in like a full proper proper HD yeah like quality. yeah like you know so. like 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 power to like the, to see the public all the broadcaster streaming services but it's not the nicest looking video in the universe so yeah like even though we, we specifically made a little bit lo-fi I think everyone's seen a much more lo-fi version we like it's yeah there's, there's a lot more going in there so hopefully this will allow people to see that yeah yeah what does it mean to you guys being Perth people to being able to have this you know your project being shown at Luna I don't it means a lot I mean like sadly I've screened at Luna before I was about to say it's another day <laughs> in the fucking perks I, I was going to say that yeah, I'll put my cherry on this one but yeah <laughs> no I like I think it's like anytime you play for the home audience it's it's, yeah. it's great and, and the fact that we can get uh, our family and friends down to see it although you know my family would just say the same thing, like that's nice. Oh, and it's like, I didn't really get it, but I you know, I think you know, it looks lovely, dog. That's nice. Yeah. So as long as, long as you had fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> like that's that's what you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. No, I am. Um, it's. I, I'd love to show it to people that I don't know. I, yeah. I think what we've had a lot of is that we've had a lot of reaction online from people that we don't know and people reviewing it who, yeah. who haven't seen it, but I've never seen it with an audience that I don't know. Sure. Like, I've never seen it with people that I have no idea if they'll laugh at it, get it, won't get it. Yeah. We're born in that time period that they know who Des Mangan is when he comes on screen. Yeah. We'll stay to the end credits when there's a special little thing after the end credits that everyone should stick around for. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll, we'll it's, see. It's not Samuel L. Jackson, but it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's more. Uh, it's yeah, more, it's more French avant-garde. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> showing it to Perth audiences. I'm just keen to see how many people kind of understand that world that we're coming from with it. Who he used to stay up when they were kids. They used to stay up on weekends watching SBS, have no idea what the fuck they're looking at. Like eat carpet comes yeah. on, and you're just like, whoa, man. Yeah, like, like we want to see how many people kind of remember that because yeah. you know, I, I, one thing that this film we wanted to try and highlight to people is there was a time when you didn't have the internet. Yeah. So it's very easy to access the world now. Global cultures just like a couple of clicks away. There was a time where all you got fed was what SBS managed to filter through to you, and that was 
for a lot of us, I think, really formative. A lot of the creators we work with, a lot of the artists we know, so much of their early childhood culture and their like view of the world came from that. You know, Channel Ten wasn't really going to play anything of, you know. <laughs> I mean, there, there was also a time when if you mentioned Eat Carpet, you knew what Eat Carpet was, yeah. and we've mentioned it four or five times. Now, yeah. and I'm sure that most people listening to this are like, "Why do you keep saying this awful why sexual are you carpet? thing? <laughs> why, why are you saying that?" It's like it was. It was a place that short filmmakers could screen their short films on SBS late at night. Um, it was uh, a pretty. It was a pretty major thing, though. Yeah, like for yeah. for me, as a before Alchemy with uh, yeah. Robbie Buck. <laughs> like, well, yeah. exactly. And but but for me, as somebody growing up and appreciating film, that and especially for short film and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. It was mostly a specific type of short film. But I saw a Vincent Natale short on there all about being stuck in an elevator once called Elevator, which is fantastic. You'd see these shorts yep. from filmmakers who have made like amazing things now and it was that was the first thing you'd see of them. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, for me at least, there's some that I've tried to Google like man was on a phone, like a, you know, phone call with somebody and found out there was this person because I can't remember the title of it I can't yeah. remember who was in it and that kind of stuff and really want to revisit it and that kind of thing so you know it is a really form- formative kind of uh, show yeah. that and you know SBS was kind of a really formative channel as well and your film in particular is it's a love letter to you know a genre of film but it's also a love letter to that channel it was well. definitely a love yeah. like when we wrote it was definitely a love letter to to that late night Des Mangan cult movies yeah. thing. That was my education into film. Yeah. It's sort of like we'd go back and like David and Margaret, before they were on ABC, they were on SBS and they showed the classic films and the and the kind of very European cinema. But when Des came on late at night, <laughs> that's when it was like Ghost in the Shell, yeah. Kill a Condom, yeah. like oh, yeah. Yeah. like all the cre- all the erotic ghost stories were like yeah, on there. Like, it was, yeah, it was like, you saw Neon weird. Genesis, like yeah. Battle Angel Alita, like so many. Before of these... anyone was showing anime, like yeah. that was the first place. They, that they were playing like, films that even like Champagne Video didn't have you know, yeah. on, on yeah. the in the, in the yeah. freaking Japanese section. You know what I mean? Like there was just stuff you saw that you. There are films there that I remember vividly that I wouldn't even know how to start looking for now. <laughs> like there are films I remember like amazing, and I love these scenes these characters and I'm just like I don't know what it's called I don't know how to look it up the SBS doesn't have an archive I can go back through like like it's really easy to lose that stuff and I, that that's what we loved about it I, and I, I think that's why SBS were really good with us you know like, yeah. I think I think I think they appreciated someone celebrating the role that they, they served and still served culture, to some yeah. degree but like it was definitely a bit different back then yeah they've certainly they've kind of pivoted in a way they still do show those films but they're less specifically trying to show you know the tit and the moon and stuff like that it's not as curated as what it was and like someone to kind of go like we're going to show Jackie Chan movies like in the 90s when Reservoir Dogs had just come out like watching Hong Kong action cinema or like watching The Killer again and again was like oh my god it's like this is how how is this even on TV yeah. like this is amazing and then yeah. you'd go to a video store that had it so you could watch it uncut because they had to cut certain things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Planet Video as well. I know yeah I know. <laughs> oh man their Korean film archive was the best yeah, like that, that whole they place had was, so many yeah. good films so, yeah oh my god yeah, yeah. but audition like watching yeah. audition I yeah think the first time I ever saw that Takeshi Miike film was on SBS yeah and then, yeah. Jeez. Was it, was it, is it down much or like? It was a little bit. I think the one that I, that I missed because the SBS subtitles were way better than any DVD I could ever find was uh, from Beijing Would Love, the Stephen Chow movie. Yep. The SBS subtitles, perfect. Yeah. Every DVD I've ever got is like this weird yeah. singlish. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it just weren't good yeah. subtitles. So, yeah. yeah. Or I should just learn Cantonese. So. But you were. No, I won't. <laughs> Yeah. Bring him back to your film for a second. So yep. you guys did the subtitles, is that right? Or uh, did you find out the subtitles? Yeah, there was, we, we, like, it was uh, it was us two. Uh, uh, one of the guys that worked on our post production team, and I mean Kent, uh, who's Japanese. He he helps like a lot of yeah. translations, and and Toshi, who played Takashi, he he also helped us out. Like we we you know we tried to prove them as much as possible. Um, yeah. Like that's what I mean. In the end, we nailed the Japanese translations. We just we just got all the grammar on the English subtitles wrong, but. Yeah, we we had, we had a few people working on it. We um, because one of the aspects I love, absolutely love about it, is that you went with the yellow subtitles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the yellow subtitles was a big thing right from the beginning. Yes. And f- 
funnily enough, SBS couldn't give us the right sort of um, yeah. the right sort of fonting <laughs> to that. So we then had to kind of like do it by eye, off okay. or something yeah. like their font works when you when you're doing a delivery spec and they're putting stuff on on yeah. their channel sort of thing. But it doesn't really work when we're translating it over sure. on our end. It yeah. just looks weird. So when we did it, it was like, right, let's just. This is how I remember it looking. It's there there, there was a surprising yeah. amount of discussion about how the subtitles should look. And that said, they perfected it. Like any other time I've subtitled a film, yeah. yellow, like with black, yeah. with black outline, like that's how you do it. Like it doesn't matter what happens on screen, you're always going to be able to read that. Yeah, well, I do. I do remember old Margaret and David reviews of foreign language films where Margaret would whinge about the fact that the subtitles were white with no outline, yeah. and you couldn't read them against a against a white, white background. Screen. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Take the ugliest shade of yellow yeah. and put a black outline around yeah, yeah. it. It's never gonna go wrong. Yeah, You'd be like, I can definitely read that. <laughs> definitely read that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've been going for a bit. I'll cool. we'll wrap up because we've got no beers left. Um, we always get more beers. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> also, how we work. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> what do you guys got coming next? I mean, because you started this, you know, way back when. And this kind of feels like a natural conclusion in a way to this film, you know, being on TV, doing a festival. Will there be a DVD release down the line, commentary, special oh, features? We're, we're, hope, we're hoping for that. It, it really is about trying to secure local distribution in Australia and international distribution. There's a whole bunch of special features and making ofs and things. We have a lot do. of stuff. Like, oh, yeah. A lot of stuff. Imagine, yeah. content, yeah. 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 Things that things at the cutting room floor, like animatics for early things that never got made, um, just heaps of behind the scenes stuff, like like from all the way back to the start of the pilot. Um, but yeah, kind of kind of really depends how. Uh, Although how this the animatics, year. we probably wouldn't get across the line because of all the rights. All, this, all the make. stolen shots, <laughs> yeah, spare like, cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that look, that's is definitely something we want to do. Um, when and how is is still a work in progress. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, but it's definitely, it's, definitely, definitely. It's been a long journey, and you know, you don't want to. Kind of, you don't want to cut it off. You know, before it's ended. No, yeah. we're right at the beginning of a festival run now, so I mean, yeah. it's kind of like we've we've. Done Belfast. We've done Nice. We're doing. Did you guys head across there? Sorry to interrupt. No, we didn't. We didn't get a chance to head across there. It is kind of costly to kind of get on a plane with three of us to kind of do that. There are some festivals coming up after July, which we will definitely be heading to. But um, yeah, I can't say too much about them. But um, But coming info coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah, coming soon. There will be things. There will be things. Follow Top Not Detective. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are some really exciting things happening this year with the film. Like we're really happy with. Um, we can't wait to tell everyone, but like we're just gonna have to wait, wait a little bit longer. Yeah. But um, yeah, like people that are definitely gonna get to see it. Yeah. That, that's what we're happy about. And yeah. then hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to yeah put it out on disc so more people can yeah check everything out. And then co-directing. Are you gonna? Is this relationships? We're, de- we're, co- we're co-writing right now. Yeah. It's sort of like when they're like I've been co-directing for a while, yeah. and this was one of those things that when we when we jumped into it, we were like. Let's do this one. And it's yeah. not about whether we'll do it again continuously, because yeah. both of us are individual directors on yeah. our own right. And we definitely want to be individual directors moving forward. But if a project comes up that we'll both jump onto, we will. Yeah. But it is a very... It, it, it's, it can yeah. be... It, it's it's it, hard at times. It's frustrating at times. It's, yeah. it's fun at times. But it's... Not for everyone, and you yeah. find that a lot of co-directors are siblings, and we're not siblings. No. So it's kind of you're like you're not the Coen brothers. You, you, no. you know, oh, really, I think <laughs> hell of a lot of like. like well, I, I was going to say people can't see, but you know, yeah. there is a striking difference between <laughs> the two. So no, we um, like, yeah, I we, have a beard and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, my mind stopped about it here. <laughs> yeah. um, we like, I really love writing stuff with Aaron. Like Aaron and I love designing yeah. things together, and we're definitely going to keep doing that. I think, and like we'll probably like write a whole bunch of films together, but we might tackle them each individually um but like yeah i mean aaron like 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 i mean for me this is my first thing like first long form thing i got to direct when they kind of done shorts and music videos prior but i definitely want to like it's really important to find that voice as a director and i think it's the same thing for aaron like he's done a lot of like co-director deals and in you know the last couple of years and you know i think he really wants to get out there and get in the chair himself i think from the beginning this was always going to be both of us doing it so in terms of like moving forward like that i feel that there's that it's too easy to jump people into a box like you guys are co-directors and you guys will yeah. co-write. It's like, no, 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 no. This, this project was needed 
this particular setup. And I think from project to project, they all need different different yeah. tools and different and different mm. ideas behind them. I mean, the, currently the stuff that we're writing right now is completely different. Yes. So it's this yeah. dark World War Two drama. It's yeah. a sequel to Hounds of Love. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Comedy, yeah, uh, <laughs> about the volleyball. Yeah, it's the, more the about the Kate Sorry. Bush song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, like, really exploring that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No. So, for you, Dom, mm. like you are a man of all trades. As I mentioned before, like your music, short films, feature films. You know, what is it that draws you to doing a whole bunch of different things? Just like doing them, really. Like I, 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 I don't really have much more of a complicated answer than that. Like I, gr- I grew up, I grew up loving like playing in bands when I was in high school, and I just I've always stuck with music. Music makes me really happy. I, you know, I, I grew up watching lots of music videos. I love making music videos, so I stuck with that. I've always wanted to make films. I just like making stuff. Um, and I, I, I didn't. I, I mean, I don't. It's not like I've tried to kind of like. I'm, I'm trying to make film my thing, you know. Like I've done music for years. I don't think I'd make a career out of music, but I've also had a lot of successes in it. I'm very blessed and grateful for that. But I don't know. I just like making stuff, man. Like, I, I, I just and and if I am going to sit down and put time into something, I try and make sure that time's well spent. And Perth's a really good place to make stuff yes. as well. Like it, it's. It is. I can't make something something for shit. Like I. I I'm not a creative oh, person. No, you're making, yeah, a, bugger. You're making a bugger. <laughs> I can't sit down and do buggers. I've wanted to do one for two and a half years, and I've been like, no, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't sit down. They are very entertaining. Yeah, you know, I love it. So there's that. But <laughs> Perth, Perth's a really great spot for this, and like really largely where I've lived has allowed me to culture that because we're a much smaller, for lack of a better word, market. Yep. And you know, if you want your stuff to stand out. Like you've really got to like push that a little bit harder, but there's just everyone's so close together and they're running similar circles. Collaboration's such an easy and amazing thing here, and I can't even imagine doing that in another place, a bigger city like America or the Eastern States. Well, I mean, I could, but it'd take like I think it would just take so much longer to find those people and actually get onto the stage where here the collaboration's really close together and you can get it out to people yeah. like really quick. Um, and I just. It's a lot of really talented people here as well. Like, well, like definitely, I'm, yeah. I'm just the bass player in my bands. So I don't really do shit. Like, I just, I just kind of hold the drums in time. But yeah, I just kind of like, <laughs> I don't really know any music theory. I just like, I just, like, I just play that until it sounds bad, and then I stop doing it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I, <laughs> like yeah. Um, it's like you're really pitching your band. Out. Oh man, I'm just like, hey, it's like, man, you should, you should come see me play. I just kind of do this until it sounds bad. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, like, like 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 just Perth's good like that. There's just there's a lot of talent here and a lot of people who really really want to make good stuff. And yeah, I think a lot yeah. of it comes out of that. Okay, so a deep question then, in some regard, um, why do you think then that like obviously there's there's limitations in what's available in Perth, but for filmmakers and actors and the like, what is it that pushes them away from Perth as a creative place? Is it those limitations? No, I think it's like we we've got we can do a lot of these things here, but yeah, probably the only thing we're limited to is that we can only do two or three of them at one time in yeah. one year. So the when we were shooting our film, Hounds of Love was shooting at the exact same time, pretty much around the corner from us. Yeah. But then one other if one other project came up at that time, no other projects could happen. Yeah. You can run about three or four crews at the same time in WA and that's and that's Technically, what, what you can do is run for the amount of lighting and grips that you have in town. Yeah. Once you've expended that, there is no film industry for anyone else. We we, so. we, we had a Japanese, an actual Japanese commercial land in town on one of the days we were shooting one of our Japanese commercials, yeah. and we lost crew to that. Like yeah, yeah like it because it just it happens. Like, yeah, it, it log jams in Perth pretty quick. And yeah. people are like, well, a commercial rate is sort of like the weekly weight that I get on this. Of course, I have to jump onto that. We don't have the money behind us. Again, like you seeing a lot of films that are coming up and the regular budgets are you know under three million ish so if someone comes up with a 20 million dollar film who are they going to jump to and if that's over east or if that's like in the u.s you kind of got to take that opportunity now if more money gets filtered in here and we don't start ripping out as much money out of the arts then we might be able to put more funding in here we grab more crew here we can build them up and crew them up then we can keep people here we also don't have a studio in Perth, so yeah. we are a very location-based city yes. and state. So anytime there's large interiors that are needed to be done, your closest studio is going to be Adelaide. Um, 
Or if you're the film Son of a Gun, you just go to the dollhouse. Go to the dollhouse. Go to the dollhouse. But that is not the biggest studio in the world. But even even that was like a tough shoot. Yeah. And and it's a very location-based city. We, you know, we're moving forward. Like, if you look at where Perth and filmmaking in WA has gone over the last five years it's come leaps and bounds like oh, yeah. in 2016 alone there's been like five six feature films like that have come out which we've never seen that happen there was definitely a year there where there was a backlog where there was three features shooting at the same time or two features in the TV series shooting at the same time that pretty much stopped us you don't get that over East, but then you get a lot more people kind of vying for it plus you've got Home and Away and Neighbours which keep people employed for like 50 weeks of the year yeah. so we don't have that either so there's limitations but from that we get this great creative sort of vibe when you're working on stuff it's a community you know everyone you never see too many strangers fly into your film like I've never worked with that person before or heard about that person before normally heard about them or know them or seen their work so yeah Yeah. and with the like it's sad to see the closure of FTI Mm. uh, down Fremantle which is huge huge uh, influence in a lot of people's lives and stuff like that it's a great place um, what do you see, you know, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but what do you see as the, the sort of next up-and-coming kind of thing for a replacement of that, if there will be a replacement? A replacement of FTI? Uh, Can it ever be a replacement? Well, no, I, I don't know if there will be a replacement of FTI. Like, currently, Spring West is going to be taking over that funding yeah. model, but it's sort yeah. of like, where are we going to be looking to in the next few years, where we should be looking to in the next few years games? And like there is no current infrastructure either on a state-based level or a national-based level for games funding. And games funding and games storylines are really about where a next generation of storytellers is going to be. Yeah. We are still very much an old-school sort of storytelling kind of technique. We're not a VR storyteller. I don't know how to tell We're a story. We're not super interactive. We're not super interactive. <laughs> nor, nor do we necessarily want to make that. No, like, we don't, yeah. part, part of part of the joy of cinema is having a, 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 a forced view on something. You're supposed yeah. to look at something from a particular angle, and you know. St- traditional cinema can never in any way shape or form like go head to head with something like VR or you know augmented reality or anything like that they're two different things we love doing this thing there's a lot of future in that though um, I don't know like you, yeah. probably, you could probably comment better than this yeah, I, th- I, I think like streaming services as streaming well. services will definitely put in but only when there's sort of a cap on like how much funding we should to go into an Australian sort of like film side to that we're seeing like disruptions happen like with the Amazons and Hulus like Facebook and Twitter starting like film services and yeah. wanting to make original content now so <laughs> seeing a lot of that whether that translates to an Australian market or not yeah. it you know, we're always a few steps behind when it comes to that. We also but don't have the internet to support it. We don't have the internet. <laughs> we don't even okay, have the Apparently, inter- I'm getting the MBN later this year, so, you know, uh, well, we'll see how that I've, goes. I've, I've got it now. It's pretty good. I'm now, I'm now <laughs> caught up to the rest of the world. Yeah. But it's great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. But they'll probably get a new thing. Yeah. Like, I think, like, there should be something, though, like, back to the point of, of bringing up the emerging sort of sector. I don't know yeah. what that will be and what form it should take, but... They can't do that if, or Screen West or those funding bodies can't do that without another injection of money into the sector. There's so much cultural value in films, yet so little monetary value placed on putting, getting them off the ground. It costs a lot to make drama on TV. It costs nothing to buy drama from America and put it here. Mm. So you can buy Game of Thrones for nothing. You want to make Game of Thrones here? Nine million dollars an episode. That's yeah. that's what you're gonna do, and you can make it here. You just need the budget to do well, it. Well, they did. They did part of the last season of the leftovers here. So. Yeah, they, they shot a lot of that in yeah. in Melbourne, but they shot a lot of it knowing that they were gonna be spending roughly what they were gonna be spending in exactly. in America. Yeah, it wasn't like we're gonna make that show for the cost of an episode of Neighbors. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think it, I, yeah, I think it'll take some time for the country to kind of move away from that model. Like it was just easier to buy international content. I don't know when or how it's going to spur it, but I, I, I hope I hope it changes. Yeah. I hope it changes. Well, so do I. And certainly, you know, as I mentioned, I was doing s- stuff with Supernova earlier today for Revelation, and I pushed your film quite a bit because you know, it's a film I think that people should go and see. You know, and I'm not just saying that because I was like, oh shit, I've got to interview these guys at six o'clock tonight. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was saying it because it's a film that I really enjoy, and certainly people. You know, really reacted to you know when I explained what the the concept of it was, showed them the page in the book. They're like, "Oh, that sounds great!" So, 
there is an excitement for Australian film and this kind of Australian film as well because you know we've, we've talked about Hands of Love a bit and it's a good film but it's sort of the the film that Australia is kind of known for doing that that darker film that audiences don't usually go and see so I'm I'm hopeful that with you know with this particular film at Revelation at least and with other festivals that you know people will head along to go and see that hey we do fun stuff I think there's there's definitely going to be a resurgence of really interesting sort of like do action films do sci-fi films really Orpheus Child or whatever that's coming out like do more of those things and like take chances more genre stuff more genre stuff is like like Red Billabong last year I don't know if you guys saw but it wasn't perfect but it pushed genre ideas in ways that we haven't seen in years I think it's a monster film do it (laughs) yeah it's like do it it's like we've got to make content we've got to write interesting content no one's going to fund the Babadook if, if no one writes the Babadook so yeah. it's really about get out there and just make it and just do yeah. it that, that, that like over the, the course of making Top Knot that is kind of one thing I did note from a lot of the online reactions and stuff we put out like I think people would love to see more genre stuff yep. like I think we usually import a lot of that in Australia we kind of make you know Australian stories because that's kind of what we can do here that's what we recently got to well, like, it's, I, it's cheap hmm. to do yeah like yeah. I mean we've like horror in Australia like budget horror has always been awesome like yeah. it, and you know we've got serial killer properties up the wazoo like I don't know are we running out of them yet I'm not sure no, no there's, there's another there's, season there's, there's there's gotta uh, be. Wolf Creek coming out oh great yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like season <laughs> 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 two the Creek gets very soon um um, but yeah, like I, I think people would like to see more genres, like sci-fi. Like yeah, Australians yeah. freaking love sci-fi. We we make you know aside from something like Clever Man coming out recently, we make very little like. Yeah, like, Clever Man's fantastic. It's fucking fantastic. And, and it's just like, like yeah, so give good. me give me more of that. Give me something that's that's interesting, and unique. Like give me an indigenous sci-fi. Give me an indigenous like like horror movie. Give me like anything that I can touch upon to be like, wow, I don't see that anywhere else. Yeah. So yeah, we can do it, and we will. We will. But. It'll take time. Just wait until this is finished, first of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe another Japanese samurai. <laughs> Just, uh, maybe we can do that 2017 remake that uh, yeah, that right. was talking about at the end of the film. If anyone wants to throw several million dollars yeah. to do that, we're just saying, like, it would be a good time. Well, so, I like the idea. Too long to be. <laughs> I, I like yeah. the idea of the My Little Italian Stallion thing. Yeah, I do too. I thought that was brilliant. I loved it. Well, you've obviously never seen the uh, trailer to La Bete, yeah. uh, which is a French film that uh, I basically stole shop for sure. But go check that out. More Italian. Yeah, more Italian. Yeah, yeah, Italian. Sure. It's Italians. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, last question then. Yeah. Because uh, we've been going for an hour and you got things to do. you got lives to live. No. Is there an Australian film that you guys recommend people seeing? Besides Hounds of Love, you know, we've talked about that a lot. It's a good film. Uh, from from when? Like, give me a time Anywhere. Period. Anywhere. Oh, any time period? Any time period. From the beginning of time. If you want people to go and see, you know, the Kelly Ray. Razorback. Razorback is, like, one of those, like, classic, like, giant monster movies. Like, it's Russell Mulhaney. Uh, Mulcahy. Uh, after that, he did... Uh, Highlander. Yep. So kind of like watch that. That's crazy. Uh, it's so a lot good. of fun. Um, I I always think that like my one of my personal favorites like Australian films ever. And I I always thought it's something a lot of people have seen, but I get surprised at how many people haven't. But man, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Like yeah. I fucking love that movie. I went back and watched it again recently. It is a beautiful film. Um, and so out of place and ahead of its time when I think it dropped out. And like going back now with more of an idea of how to make films and watching it. Because last time I watched it, I was a kid. But I watched it recently. Like, it's an incredibly well-made film. Incredibly well-acted, well-written. And it's all based on real people. Like, I, yeah. I, if you haven't, and I suppose the amount haven't, I think I love that movie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a film I'm going to be discussing on a future episode to s- soon. But alongside that, in Razorback, like, I did an episode on that last year. And I was surprised about how few people had actually seen it. Mm. And when they did see it, they're like, hey, this is really good. And it looks good as well. The umbrella Blu-ray of it is just fantastic. It oh, looks yeah. stunning. But we like so many Australian films like haven't yet made that transition over to Blu-ray. Like Blackrock, I have yeah. yet to see like a Blu-ray of Blackrock. Mm-hmm. And it was like that was a play I loved as a kid and I performed as a kid. But it was like I have yet to see that come out. And we're, we're losing a lot of our cinema. And even like, where's Houseboat Horror? I've only ever seen <laughs> oh that on God. VHS. 
It's like wait, that, that movie. Is that so movie good. is like so <laughs> ridiculous. Well, then he's are, bringing out a Blu-ray of Houseboat Horror. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of a lot of films that yeah. just kind of went and disappeared. Yeah, yeah, they got lost. I mean, I, I think that's one thing about Australia, and I guess one thing I miss about people like Des, like we don't. We don't archive and, and, and honor a lot of that stuff. Like, there's probably there's countless more films that I probably haven't seen, but I just wouldn't know where to find them. Yeah. Like, who made them or where to, where to look for them? Well, Ozflix.tv is pushing the idea of that streaming service is to have all Australian films ever made on there. Right. And people got upset because when it launched, they're like, "What do you mean? There are not all Australian films ever made on here." It's like, no, but we're working on it. We're working. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> I mean, I think that would be great. I mean, the National Archives um, has pretty much all Australian films uh, there. I mean, I'm, I'm, we've got our film like sent to the National National Archives, so it might that's, be in the National Archives. Way. That's that's a part of history. Yeah, now, yeah. apparently, someone that's is going to be exciting. walking around a gallery in like 20 years' time, being like, "This piece of shit was <laughs> fucking made in Perth." And it's like, look at this. <laughs> well, it's like, okay. no, we make it in 3D. Like, <laughs> it was, was this 2D movie? <laughs> that, that's one question I meant to ask as well, and I keep on yeah, saying, yeah. "Yeah, I'll wrap up, I'll wrap up." But um, one last one. Yeah, this yeah, will be the last question. Yeah, then. Has anybody come up to you and said, oh, "I do actually remember seeing that show on TV"? Yes. yes. <laughs> no, and the, and like, Aaron, like, when we yeah. we wrote this right, like we like obviously we're trying to do the genre thing, we're trying to do it accurate, we're trying yeah. to sell it as real. Okay, we. We just totally expected audiences to just know. Like, I mean, everyone's seen Spinal Tap. Everyone, you know, has seen these fake documentaries. Everyone watches, you know, freaking The Office. Like, everyone gets the idea of something. It just hacks people's brains. Like, we had so many people come back. Um, like, my girlfriend is one of the go-go dancers in the pilot. Yeah. Um, and her, one of her lawyer bosses was kind of like, man, I used to watch heaps of SBS, and I just can't remember that show. And I'm just like, I'm in it. Like, she's trying to point out that, like, obviously it's not real. We were, we've been blown away by just how much people have actually believed it to be a real thing and I, I think it's like part, part and parcel is the documentary and just the format of documentaries I think the VHS has been another thing and I think we just kind of hit all the hallmarks of that kind of stuff and I think once Dez starts talking like yeah. all of a sudden it's oh I believe that but yeah we, we've, we've been quite surprised by the amount of people who actually um, think it's real or at least spend half of the movie and then kind of lean over and go wait are they fucking with us? yeah like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, Jack Sargent from uh, Revelation came up to me and was like, it was a really interesting documentary until up at the end when I realized it wasn't a documentary. <laughs> and I was more like, oh, that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. But I've had, yeah, we've had lots of people say like, yeah, yeah we've even been listed as a documentary in like festival really? sort of things yeah, at one point. Yeah. And then I haven't corrected it. I've no. been like, but why would I correct it? Yeah, you believe yeah. whatever you want to believe. Like, Inter- we're in the international documentary. Yeah. Sure. No yeah. worries. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Done. We've done a Noah Howley. We've explored truth. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so, like, well, I mean, it's, impo- it's important that yeah. we remember Takashi. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he was, he was, he was, he was a voice of his time. <laughs> and there's, there's not many, there's not been many people like him. You know, yeah, yeah. I think when everyone watches this film, I just need them to know. Like, yeah. he, for there was, there was a period of time where that man existed, and and, and he made a difference in the world. We tried to. Yeah. Just didn't do it very well. Yeah. <laughs> it made a difference to, to the cocaine market. <laughs> to, so, yeah. to, to like narcotics league, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. laws in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks, cool. guys. No, I really appreciate thank, it. Thank you so no much worries. for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Last New Wave. If you're interested in finding out more about Top Knot Detective, it is screening at the Revelation Perth International Film Festival from the 6th of July through to the 19th of July. And it has screening dates on Sunday the 9th at 7.30 at Lunar Leadville, uh, Wednesday the 12th at 2.45 at Lunar Leadville, and Thursday the 13th at 6.45 at Lunar SX. And I believe for those screenings that both Aaron and Don will be at the screenings to do Q&As and they've got a pretty kick-ass poster as well which you can purchase at the screenings too. If you want to hear more from me, head over to abfilmreview.com to listen to previous episodes of Last New Wave and episodes of the other podcasts who do AB Film Review. Follow us on social media at AB Film Review on both Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, head over to followingfilms.com to listen to other podcasts that are similar to this following films pop culture case study true bromance film podcast all really great stuff that's it from me keep watching australian films and i'll see you on the next episode of the last new wave